0: Good morning. This is Overnights, and at this point of the, uh, the the program, we like to cross over to the United States and find out what is happening, what's really happening over there. And we do that with the great Celeste Katz-Marston in Boston. Good morning, Celeste. Good morning. Look, speaking of touchdowns, did you happen to watch the Super Bowl during the week? Are you Were you interested enough on Sunday night to tune in and see what happened?
1: I can't say I was interested enough, but I did actually watch the Super Bowl, or, or some of it. My husband was watching it, so it was sort of uh, in my life. But I can't say that I'm a, a rabid football fan.
0: No. Well, I mean, the Patriots weren't there, and nor were either of the New York teams, I suppose. But I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't know what happened. It was a remarkably sort of unremarkable game. I don't know whether you felt the same way about that or your husband did.
1: Yeah, I think that it was not as dramatic as some we we actually very early on when we started dating watched an extremely dramatic Super Bowl. I believe it was Patriots versus Green Bay, which oh, okay. was maybe 96, 97 yeah, so or something, like, something like, that. like that and it was yeah. super and bad. it was super dramatic and super wild. So maybe that sort of, you know, yeah. set a really high bar for me in terms of the Super Bowl. But I did watch some of the Puppy Bowl.
0: The Puppy Bowl, okay, so this is something that always (laughs) takes place on the weekend of the Super Bowl, and dogs uh, run around. I've seen footage of it. What happened in the Puppy Bowl this year? Cuteness, just a lot of cuteness every year. Generally like golden retriever puppies or something. Are they Labradors or something?
1: Yeah, they just have some random – the whole thing is to draw attention to people uh, adopting pets from shelters and so on, and they just have a lot of adorable puppies playing with toys and chasing each other around in a little arena. And, Beautiful. you know, that's that's sort of my speed
0: of football, I think. Yeah, that's pretty much the internet these days, isn't it? It's just <laughs> cute puppies doing something or other, I don't know. There are some people that seem to make their entire life's work to share as many cute puppy uh, videos as possible. Now, uh, there are serious things, of course, that we must discuss. The virus, we'll start with that. Look... Okay. In I mean, what I don't understand, and I mean, we may have discussed this on other occasions, but if this was a year ago and the figures were as high as they are now, people would be really panicking. But because the figures were higher and are now going down, people seem not to be panicking. Can you explain that to me?
1: It's tough because, yeah, we do see these sort of surges and declines, surges and declines. We saw it at the beginning, then we saw it with the Delta variant. Now we're seeing it with the Omicron variant. And uh, people, I think, to some extent, have become just sort of Uh, accustomed to living this way, to realizing that the virus is all around us, that people are going to get sick, that the vaccine is available, uh, but not everybody will take it. So we do have still a great, great deal of pressure on the healthcare system and hospitals, ICUs, uh, stuff that we just would not see during a pandemic. But I think some people are just sort of uh, getting used to living this way. And that's good in some ways and very bad in others.
0: Because... Things that look, I you know, I understand people are getting you know sick and tired of this. Of course, I am. You are. Everybody is. Everyone's sick of having to wear masks and do the QR check in and socially distance and all that. I understand that. But just because we're sick of it doesn't mean that the you know, the virus is going to go away just because we don't want to see it. It's just I find it so incredible. Now, you know, where I live, they're about to abolish the mask mandate next week. I think if I go out you know, to a theatre or movies, I'm still going to be wearing one. I think we'll find, don't you think that a lot of people are going to stick with it?
1: I think so. I, I plan to myself, uh, even if they remove mask mandates. I still personally, again, personally, not speaking for anybody else, find it uncomfortable to be in a public place with Uh, no mask and I am fully vaccinated and boosted. And I just happen to be in that category of people who want to be super careful and what other people do to some extent uh, in the absence of a mandate is up to them, but I don't want to get COVID. I just don't want to. So I'm going to take whatever steps I can to protect myself and i kind of wish that other people would would feel that way as well if not for themselves then to uh prevent catching the virus and passing it to somebody else who may not be able to fight it off who may not be in a, a great state of health or may have uh, immunosuppression or uh, yeah. maybe somebody vulnerable at home
0: yeah, exactly right um and I find it amazing. I mean, even though I do it myself, I mean, very uneasily, it's fair to say, but I I was at a pub the other night for the first time in I don't know how long, two or three years, I think. Um, and, of course, you don't wear your mask while you're eating or drinking. And it's like people treat that as if they're somehow protected. Oh, well, I'm eating or drinking, therefore I'm not going to catch it. Like, so I don't wear my mask. That That is also, you know, it's so disturbing. It's so... Concerning, perhaps more than disturbing, that the masks aren't necessarily going to protect you 100%. Of course, we know that. But if I go out, I'm wearing two masks. I do not want to catch this as well. And I just feel we're going to see another surge now that all these things are being abandoned. Don't you think?
1: I think that the problem becomes when it when it becomes an issue of sort of what they call virtue signaling. It's like, well, I'm wearing my mask. Look at me. I'm wearing my mask. But people think uh, if you take it off, then maybe. You know, it's like running a red light or a stop sign or mm. something. Like, if you didn't get caught, it didn't happen. Yeah. It's like, well, the virus is there. Yes, I mean, it just is. It doesn't matter if nobody saw you taking off your mask. <laughs> it, that that doesn't matter to the virus. It's its only purpose in life, literally, is to propagate, is to spread, and that's what it's very good at doing. So, yeah. um, I'm I'm not here to impinge on anybody else's personal no, liberty not. or to say that this is fun. I am exactly as already as you are. I think we all are. I, I think we can agree on that. But um, I'm just erring on the side of caution of personally. And we are seeing a lot of these mandates now uh, being being eased because yeah, eventually I think that there will just be no way to, to enforce it. People will just
0: not comply. Well, even now, with the QR code, yeah, sure, check in. It it's pointless in a way. You might get uh, an email or a text or something four or five days later saying, oh, somebody checked in at the same time as you and they've got COVID. Monitor yourself for symptoms. Well, by that stage, you're probably going to know whether you've got it or not. So why bother to check in? You know, why bother to check in and be told, if you're going to get sick, you'll you'll know that you're going to get sick. The the whole QR thing might have been good and You know, it might be good, you know, if if there's contact tracing for less than or fewer than fifty people, but beyond that, it kind of um, defeats the purpose. Anyway, so they can get rid of QR codes. I would encourage people still to wear masks, but I know, you know, it's so annoying, especially in the summer where it gets very, very hot. Oh dear, dear. Uh, by the way, David in Rockingham says I've seen the puppy bowl. The referee can penalize a show off for displaying excessive cuteness.
1: There are a lot of penalties like that handled out. The puppy bull is very cute. Yeah,
0: Lynette in Mascot says, everyone should still wear masks. I will be. Yes, Lynette, protect yourself. That's the thing, and a lot of governments have said that. You know, you need to take personal responsibility anyway. But in Provincetown, what happened in there? That's in Massachusetts, and it's it's called P-Town, rather unfortunately perhaps. Um, A lot of Anthony Bourdain's kitchen confidential takes place there, but it's a great holiday spot. Uh, That was kind of a real centre for uh, COVID, wasn't it?
1: There was an outbreak there uh, a while back and uh, people, you know, were were dealing with a mandate, wearing masks and so on. Uh, We went there, people were wearing masks indoors. Um, As you say, it is is a resort. I mean, it's a very cute place and it's very well known for restaurants and bars and nightlife and so on. But now they're going to be lifting uh, those requirements. I think that, uh, you know, very within the last few days, very recently, but they're down to very few, if any, we you cases, uh, zero active cases, I think last week. And, and that's something that they haven't seen since, uh, you know, last year, since uh, July 4th, uh, you know, partying yeah. and gatherings and so on. So they're looking at the data and they're saying, okay, you know, we have this under control. Now, what happens when they get their usual influx of summer tourism? Maybe they'll have to change the rules again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it comes down, I guess, individual communities at the very least want the right to make those decisions for themselves.
0: So in the US, just before we leave this, 453,000 cases two weeks ago, about 136,000 on Tuesday. So that is a a huge drop off. And we just hope, we hope that it gets down to a manageable level. And um, then, you know, it'll never go away. People will always be getting it. But hopefully these variants become less and less. But we shall see. Now, this is a much bigger story, perhaps, and that is. That after the tragedy at Sandy Hook, where a whole lot of uh, children were murdered at school, um, some of the parents or the families of five children and four adults killed there at the school massacre, um, they took the arms manufacturers to court. Now, I don't know whether this has happened before, but they've had an extraordinary outcome.
1: Yeah, the the families of uh, the people who were killed at Sandy Hook went after Remington Arms, which is the maker of the AR-15 rifle, which uh, was used to kill uh, the children and teachers uh, at that school. And they have won a $73 million settlement, uh, which, uh, you know, holding this company account for that massacre. And uh, this is the the first time that a gun manufacturer has agreed to this kind of settlement in the United States. And it's a watershed moment uh, and very interesting because they also found a way to get at laws that we have in the United States that protect gun manufacturers from being held accountable in murder cases. Uh, because, you know, the whole saying about, uh, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people, and that whole sort of thing. But they went after them for the way they marketed the weapons and made them much more appealing to the general public, uh, in part through uh, product placements in what are called first person shooter games. And they made them look cool and fun to have in real life, not just on your computer or on your television. And so they were able to use that as a way to get at responsibility for Remington Arms and that Uh, As a result, we have seen this uh, $73 million settlement against the company.
0: Hmm. So um, where does this fit in with the Second Amendment and all that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is not uh, an infringement upon an individual's right to bear arms, which is specifically what is stated in the Constitution. There is not a statement there about manufacturing uh, weapons, about marketing weapons. And it's not also a blanket, uh, you know, a blanket go ahead for people to carry firearms everywhere, anytime for any reason. I think that you know that would be the broadest uh, the broadest interpretation of what it says in the Constitution but we have many many gun laws in the United States in terms of permits, in terms of uh, you know markings, uh, tracking, uh, uh, lots of things uh, that regulate the use and sale of firearms. So it's not sort of a, a general green light to do whatever you want. Uh, to do with guns. But this is, again, it's very unique in that uh, the gun manufacturer had to take some responsibility for the weapon that was used in this particular killing. I'm sorry to have to say this particular yeah. killing because we have had uh, other mass shooting incidents in the United States, as yeah. you well know.
0: Oh, quite a few. Teachers, of course, were murdered as well as children. Uh, you know, I'm sure that when you go into the Congress building in Washington or any state house for that matter – you, you know, there's, um, you know, there's, there's there'll be a, a weapons check or that, you know, have to go through a uh, a metal detector or something. So, you know, I find that extraordinary. If they had to change that, if people were allowed to carry guns into Congress, do you think they'd change the laws?
1: Yeah, and people have tried. People have tried to do that. And I've been in the U.S. Capitol building many, many times. You do have to go through a magnetometer, uh, you do. I mean, the thing goes off even I remember my shoes set it off once. And it's, you know, they can tell if you are carrying yeah. something and people have tried to enter that building, including lawmakers have tried <laughs> to enter that building uh, carrying firearms and have been told that that's that's just not it.
0: Yeah. So the question is, why is that? I mean, when you go back to the Second Amendment, which actually talks about a, a militia being necessary for the, uh, um, you know, for a, a, a free state, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be in, infringed. Why is it that? And I'm, you know, I'm not putting you on the spot here, but <laughs> why is a law saying, well, you can't carry weapons into a? particular building like the capitol or or you know Madison Square Garden I know I saw there was a sign there saying no weapons. You know, why is that not an infringement on your right to keep and bear arms?
1: Well, I I think that to some extent uh, and again I'm not a constitutional scholar by any means but again your personal liberty extends to the point where it does not infringe upon somebody else's pursuit of you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so if you are going to be creating a situation where other people could be, uh, harmed or at risk, I think that essentially, and again, you know, please forgive me for my lack of constitutional scholarship on this, but essentially the provision of the second amendment is to, uh, prevent, uh, People being sort of victimized by a tyrannical government, um, and yeah, a know, tyrannical government
0: like the United States government that had its own army because in those days there was no army. So they thought, well, what we need are militias, uh, you know, individual militia in various towns who would be able to rise up in case of an invasion or if the government uh, took arms against them. So a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state that's what they say. No one has ever regulated those militia. And I know we don't want to get into the whole Second Amendment business, but everyone forgets the first part and concentrates on the second.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that the general sense, uh, and again, disclaimer, but the general sense that uh, I get from reading the the Second Amendment as a layman is that it is not a full-on green light. The phrase, well-regulated, Militia is clearly included in there for a reason. This is not designed to be uh, a free for all, but essentially what they wanted to do was to to set up a situation where the, the federal government didn't have all the guns. And therefore, all the power. The The general design of the Constitution is to be a republic that is that is controlled by uh, and whose laws are are dictated by the people in, in a representative manner. This does not mean that everything is a free for all when it comes to firearms or, for that matter, anything else. Um, but, you know, there is certainly. Uh, language in there that can be interpreted a lot of different ways. And yeah, people do have the right to bear arms, the government cannot have all the guns or take away the guns from people it likes and leave them to you, know, or, you know, vice versa, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it is complicated, but it, you know again, in this case, the idea that the maker of the gun, rather than only the person who was using the gun to uh, to commit a crime or for some other nefarious or, or threatening purpose, could be held accountable is a very big deal. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how that how that sort of reverberates through the gun manufacturing industry.
0: So what happens if a, uh, a someone uses a, a vehicle, a truck, or a car? to drive into a crowd or something like that. We've seen that happen, tragically, in Australia as well, very close to home. You know, uh, is someone going to then sue the car manufacturer for making the car, you know, or putting them in a uh, video game or uh, making that car look like it could drive, you know, exceedingly fast or something like that? What happens there?
1: Well again I mean that's something that would have to play out in court but I think that the difference here at least uh, on the face of it without you know doing deep legal scholarship on this is that the AR15 in this case manufactured by Remington Arms was specifically marketed as a highly effective killing machine mm-hmm. that that was the purpose for which it was designed and the purpose for which people would want to purchase it i think generally when cars are marketed even if they appear in i don't know a, a crazy chase movie or or uh, i don't know yeah. christine like a stephen right, king yeah. movie where the car is you know has has a personality and has has malicious intent a car generally is not marketed for mm. the express purpose of harming
0: other All right, people. fair enough. By the way, uh, Dave in St Albans says, health workers wear masks tightly sealed, leaving grooves in their faces. Maybe consensus has changed, but unsealed masks were not claimed to protect the wearer, but others at some distance. I'll wear masks in crowds, but it won't protect me. Yeah, I don't know that it was ever designed to protect you. It was designed to protect other people as well, so that you didn't... Breathe on them, but look. There's no doubt that masks aren't ideal—the ones that most people have—but they have definitely saved lives and prevented the spread of the uh, the virus. Yeah. Celeste Katz, Marston is our guest in Boston now. Celeste, uh, I haven't been on a plane in two years. More, in fact, yeah, coming up to two years, and uh, people's behaviour is getting worse. Maybe they've forgotten how to behave on a plane.
1: Apparently they have. And, and it's becoming an issue now for the federal government, for the Federal Aviation Administration, where you have lots of cases of people just going wild on planes, attacking other people, um, trying to open emergency exits at 30,000. That happens, just-
0: I couldn't believe it. That was an anti-vaxxer too, by the way.
1: Yeah, there some of these disputes, there, there are a couple of things going on. Some of them are disputes about masking, about people covering their faces or people staying still when, you know, when they're supposed to. But, you know, generally, there have been a lot of disruptions in the airline industry, in air traffic generally. Um, some of that, a lot of that related to the pandemic, just people getting sick, there not being enough staff, flights being delayed or canceled, and people are getting really fed up. But, you know, that's fine. But when they start taking it out on other people, again, you know. Uh, Thirty thousand feet in the air—that's not cool. So, some of the uh, carriers are now calling for people who engage in this kind of wild, dangerous, violent behavior to be put on a no-fly list. And so, that's that's something that we're we're now talking about. Um, typically, you would think of a no-fly list being reserved for you know such uh, choice human specimens as terrorists. Yeah, but um, now we're talking about just people who shouldn't fly because they're too dangerous to be on a plane with other people.
0: A hundred percent increase since 2019, the rate of incidents with unruly passengers. That's just on Delta. Um, I mean, it, look, there's a lot of people flying, obviously nowhere near as many as before, and there were 80 incidents, I think, in January, between January last year and this year. So 80 is, you know, that's, you know, a little bit more than one a week when you consider the number of people flying. That doesn't seem to be too many, but considering it's a hell of a lot more than there used to be, people need to. Relax. I mean, but I, I, you know, I'll also say, having flown internally in the U.S., I don't blame people. They are people are treated appallingly on domestic flights in the U.S. Far worse than in Australia, and I don't, I don't. You feel terrible by the time you get on Because of the way you're treated Because of the way you're charged but The way it's all jammed in You're not fed, you're not given any drink You've got to pay for your uh, luggage and everything I'm not surprised that people are, you know, and are angry Even before the plane takes off
1: <laughs> I think I think there's definitely been and there's there's some interesting stuff to read about the deterioration of the quality of air travel. Air travel used to be a luxurious yes. experience with, you know, real silverware and china and and sort of complimentary mimosas and all these kinds of things. And now the seats have gotten smaller, there are many more surcharges, there are long waits certainly the you know the delays and cancellations are, are a huge problem, but at the same time, do you really want somebody sitting sitting next to you on a plane that tried to beat up a flight attendant uh, on his last flight because she asked him to cover his face during a pandemic.
0: Yeah, precisely right. And finally, local news from Boston. Who's your mayor, Celeste?
1: Our mayor now uh, in Boston is a woman named Michelle Wu, and she is both the first female and the first Asian-American mayor of the city of Boston.
0: She has mandated mask wearing for uh, city workers. and uh, People didn't like that. Also, oh, sorry, vaccinated. Uh, sorry, she's uh, ordered that city workers be vaccinated. I presume they're going to wear masks as well. And people do not like that for some reason.
1: Yeah, they, they definitely don't like it. And so uh, what we've been seeing lately is people staging very, very loud, angry demonstrations, not outside City Hall, where her office is but outside her home where she lives with her husband her two small children and downstairs her mother who as she has talked about uh, publicly many times including to me in an interview i did for uh, uh, with her for nbc news uh, a mother who is mentally ill and uh this is they finally cut back these demonstrations to the point where they're not allowed to use air horns or bullhorns anymore but uh this starts very early in the morning people are holding up signs uh, you know in some cases i think saying awful things uh to and about her family, uh, calling her a Marxist. So there's definitely like a, a racial or ethnic element to some of these protests, but also they're just making life hell. I understand that public officials are subject to public scrutiny and to criticism and a lot of that may not be pleasant but this is now uh, become sort of a, a standing army outside her door and her neighbors aren't happy about it either
0: yeah i think that's the number one thing okay go down and protest at city hall all you like but really at least have some consideration this is just it's the same as being on a plane people have got no consideration no grace anymore Don't do it in the street next to somebody who's got nothing to do with it and may not even have voted for the woman. Anyway, uh, Celeste, thank you very much. I hope you have a quiet uh, fortnight. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Celeste Katz-Marston in New York, uh, not New York, in Boston, in Boston, Massachusetts.